Welcome to Drunk Watching, our weekly pop culture podcast where we sip on a little something and talk about the films and TV shows we're watching right now. I'm Brittany Danielle, and I'm a writer, pop culture junkie, and work in progress. I love it. And I'm Andrea Renee, lover of pop culture, Brittany's perennial plus one, and back on the road. Y'all know how it is. Back on the road. You had one week where you were at home, and now, now you're gone again. Gone again. All right. Today we are here to talk about our fave network. Well, we're here to talk about one of our favorite network shows, um, This Is Us. We are here talking about season three, episode six. I will not attempt to pronounce the title of the show. Girl, I, know when I, I didn't was, even um, try. <laughs> when I, right. When I saw it last week on IMDb, because, you know, the previous episode was called Toby. So I'm like, okay, what's next week? Maybe that'll give us a clue. And then it was some word, and I was like, oh, no. I don't know like, what that kinda is. I kind of want to bang them. I don't know. It was <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, we learned in the episode, it's, a, it's the one Korean word that Randall knows that Kevin taught him. And I'm guessing, they never said what it meant, but I guess it means thank you um, in Korean. So we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Insecure. I mean, oh, Jesus, I'm so stuck. The latest episode of This Is Us. But before we get to that, this episode of Drunk Watching is brought to you by the House of 334, a creative services firm that specializes in creating beautiful brands for badass entrepreneurs. If you have copy, social media, or design needs, holler at the ladies of the House of 334 at houseof334.com or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at House of 334. Additionally, if you would like to sponsor Drunk Watching or send us any feedback, comments, questions, you want us to have us, you want to have us on your podcast, hit us, slide into our email inbox. I just had like a brain freeze moment and I haven't even started drinking. So slide into our inbox at hellodrunkwatching at gmail.com. Once again, our email address is hellodrunkwatching at gmail.com or hit us on Twitter and IG for all of your live tweeting uh, and social media needs at Drunk Watching. Lastly, if you enjoy our podcast, we are now in the double digits of the podcast creation. If you are enjoy, enjoying our podcast so far, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting network, favorite podcasting platform, rather, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. We are on them all. And hit us with a, a five star review. If you like what we have to say, if you enjoy our takes on pop culture, on, you know, the shows that we're watching, hit us with a good review and tell your friends about us. Um, All right. It's time to get into it. Get down to business. And every episode we get started by talking about what's in our cup. So, Andrea, what is in your cup today? Today, I'm drinking a little Stoli because... I don't know how to pronounce the whole name, Stoli Vodka, and Cran Apple Juice in my red Solo cup. I'm feeling very Halloween (laughs) party-ish. We are twinning today, sort of. I also have a red Uh Solo cup, um, only because they were left over from my son's little birthday gathering from (laughs) over the weekend. So I was like, hey, might as well 
keep it accurate in this solo cup. Um, I am drinking some Diet Pepsi, and I went out and bought, bought a bottle of Mount Gay rum, which was one of the the rums that we used when we went to that cocktail making class. So I have some oh, Mount cool. Gay rum, which I think is a rum from Barbados, don't quote me, and Diet mm-hmm. Pepsi. Cool. So basically, rum and vodka. Without the, without the Coke. Without the Coke. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And vodka crayons. I, I feel like those are standard drinks to order when you yeah. go out to the club. We're keeping it real classic so. on today. Um, when you're just kind of easing into drinking, those are two drinks. To, it's not complicated. Two ingredients. Can't really mess it up. Um, Absolutely. All right. Before we get into our This Is Us, <laughs> before I say insecure again, This Is Us recap um, and discussion, uh, what else are you watching? So I I will be full disclosure, I wasn't watching much else over this weekend. Um, so I probably won't be commenting on this section. So Andrea will have to take <laughs> away on our <laughs> reality show watching because I missed all the shows. And so. Yeah, catch us up on what's 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 the hat. Okay, well, just you know, of course, we want to stop on by the folks in Hollywood with Love and Hip Hop, and we're clearly getting to the end uh, because there were commercials for Love and Hip Hop New York starting on I think like the 26th. So before the end of this month, New York will be back. So that means we should be getting closer to the end plus the reunion. I don't know if they're going to give us one or two. So within the next few weeks, we'll be wrapping up the Hollywood franchise. And, you know, low key, I want to say thank goodness because they have just run these storylines into the ground. Thank so first, of, yeah, first, of course, uh, is, well, I had a brain flat fart too, and I'm looking right at it. So, of course, our, you know, big storyline over the course of the season has been with Lyrica and A1. And so the big moment this week was just Lyrica, you know, asking A1 to marry her again. And, you know, (laughs) I wanted to call him Floyd. And A1 goes, you know, of course, it's like, yes. And, you know, the families look like they are going to try to get along for the sake of Lyrica and A1. Pam and Big Lyrica get together. You know, they're going to go shopping and plan the wedding together because they missed the first one. So I know you're just uh, starting to watch Love and Hip Hop, but Lyrica and A1 eloped, if you will, or ran away and got married. And so it was a big deal, at least to Lyrica G, that she missed her daughter's wedding. So, you know, you see them kind of, you know, trying to be involved. And of course, it could not go without Le Drama. And so I believe her name is Patrice. The brother Lloyd's wife shows up at the store, wherever they were. Big Lyric was like, why are you here? And it turns into this great big fiasco where Patrice pretty much calls Lyrica a hoe. And it's like, you know, you don't want me here because I know the truth about Lyrica. You know, I know she's, you know, been sleeping with other guys. You know, she's been sleeping with other guys. You know, Pam's sitting there like, OMG, you know, for one, she's not involved, right? And then ultimately, Big Lyrica leaves, and it leaves Patrice 
and Pam together to talk. And so Patrice, you know, shows Pam all these text messages that A1 sent her, pretty much saying, like, you know, he knew that Lyrica either had been cheating or was full of shit. Like, she'd gotten caught in some stuff that was less than savory. But, of course, by this time, we know, and both of them have disclosed, that they have both cheated at some point in time or maybe multiple times in their relationship. So, like I said, I'm just ready for this to be over. Um, The only other things really going on, Brooke and Marcus. So Marcus finds out that Brooke hosted the party for Rockstar last week after he told her not to. Um, It starts this kind of big thing between them and uh, Amber Diamond, you know, told him. (laughs) Amber Diamond dropped, uh, dropped dime on Brooke to Marcus. And so when he goes to confront Brooke about being there, Brooke confronts him about liking all of Amber's naked pictures. She sets up this situation where, you know, she texts Amber through an app that was supposed to be like it was from Marcus. So I'm just like, okay, how old are we to even be playing these games? This is your fiance. If you feel like you have to text another woman pretending to be your fiance to try to trap him, then you're really not ready to be married. And coincidentally, in this random ass scene, Paris is in the gym boxing with Booby, who is Keisha Cole's ex-husband. And, you know, Paris tells Booby about Brooke being engaged. Now he's all, now he's with somebody apparently. But he feels the need to have to confront Marcus about, you know, how he's treated Brooke in the past and so on and so forth. So I think we're going to see that next week. But he did confront Brooke about deserving better. And so I don't know if Marcus is really trying to carry on something with Amber or if he's doing with what a lot of men do. And when they get caught, like, they're like, okay, I didn't really do anything. But it it's the appearance. Like I wouldn't want my dude or my fiance and damn sure not my husband to be liking naked pictures or damn near naked pictures of anybody, let alone somebody that, you know, allegedly is an industry side chick. (laughs) Like, dude, you're not doing yourself any favors by doing this. So there's this, you know, kind of big moment at the end where Brooke, Bridget Kelly, Sean, and Amber Diamond kind of get into it. Uh, when you see it, you'll if you see it, you'll crack up. Like, it was hilarious. And other than that, uh, who else really matters? I'm, I'm not even... Oh, Sean and Apple. That, I guess that's the story and, and Apple's dad. Um, I just feel, and I don't know, maybe you can tell me how you feel about Sean and Apple's relationship, it kind of feels pimpish to me. Like, you know, I see myself in you. Like, it's like she's sweet talking her, but it's like this weird motherly, but not, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't sit well um, with me. And I know that people run game on folks all the time. Like, is Apple talented? Maybe. Um, to be doing all of this. Like she got her lawyers involved to get Apple out of jail early. She set her up in some, you know, luxury apartment in the hills and all of that. 
uh, did a photo shoot for her. And the one thing that stood out for me is that she was like, this is my apple. This is the apple I'm building. And I was just like, ew, this is, this is kind of weird. So that was pretty much the episode. There were some other things that happened, but, you know, not really, not really anything worth discussing. So how do you feel mm-hmm. like, you know, about that? Do you, do you feel like that's strange, the whole Apple Sean relationship? Or maybe I'll just, um, I think it's, it's, creepy. it's just, yeah, it's weird because from view, from the viewer's perspective, like, they she doesn't seem to have any sort of relationship to apple previously like she met her and then she was like oh i see some talent in you i want to work with you it wasn't like she knew her through her daughter or she had you know seen her in the industry or whatever before it it seemed to me like she she met her that one time and then was putting some contracts in her face like sign on to this contract let's let's make this money or whatever (laughs) and that was just weird to me um and now with the whole jail thing and pulling her off the stage like it seems on the surface it looks like her intentions are good but given how quickly she turned on her own daughter i'm i'm concerned (laughs) i'm concerned you know, right. like when she was uh, supposedly uh, <laughs> managing her daughter's career, putting them 20 bands to work with Rockstar, <laughs> and she basically <laughs> embarrassed her daughter by saying, oh, this track is whack. And she could have just told him all of that stuff after the listening party. Instead, she busts up in there like, oh, this is whack. I paid you 20 bands, and I still got this <laughs> terrible song. And then that, that kicked him you know, he went down to Pettyville and just got all bad. Um, so I don't know. I'm concerned. Uh, she seems to have Apple's interest in mind, but who who really knows? Who knows at all? Right. And speaking of embarrassing her, I'm going to just go on and say it. <laughs> in this fight, Sean literally rips off Amber's wig and starts trying to be... <laughs> Bridget with it. Like, I had to watch it again because I was like, oh my God, somebody snapped her wig. my own mom. Like, imagine, like, if, yeah, like me and you are standing next to each other about to attack some people, and I turn to you, and you turn to me, and snatch. And it, it was so random. I'm like, did you just attack your own daughter? Wouldn't you try to use it as some kind of diversionary weapon? Like, <laughs> right. And throw it in her face. Or maybe she was like, let me snatch oh it God. before somebody else snatches it off. I don't know, but it, it was too much. Oh, was much Shout too out much. to, um, I like I said, I haven't seen the episode yet, but I'm looking forward to it just for that moment. But shout out to Michael Arsenault, <laughs> who is a writer. And he was, he commented about Brooke. He was like, Something about who who knew she would turn into the hood maleficent maleficent by the end of the season, like just doing all sorts mm. of evil deeds and looking good while doing it. I was like, oh god, but she yeah. is. Like, I don't I don't know what happened in this last episode, but her her handiwork has been on display the whole season. 
she has been absolutely ridiculous. You're right. You're right. But I mean, it has her name in people's mouths and it hasn't. And then somewhere during the episode, you know, before they go to commercial, usually they'll tell you like what songs are in the episode and surely she has a single. So hope it works out for you, girl. You know, I hope you right. don't wind up, you know, single alone and all that jazz. Um, but maybe it needs to be because I don't know. I don't that whole Marcus situation. Like I said, you know, this season, well, not even this season. These past few episodes, he's been cool. But last season, he was a dog. And, you know, we started the season with him sleeping with somebody that thought they might have been pregnant. So, I mean, like, he's not without his stuff. So, I guess it's left to be seen. But that was loving hip hop. Yeah, I don't even know if they're together. Um, like, I tried to point? look, you know, yeah, like currently. But. Uh. Maybe they are because he posted, let me see, he posted her, maybe they are, he posted her, her song on his Instagram, so maybe they are together. Okay, well, hallelujah. Still. I guess. I know. Good for them. They'll wind up like uh, Lyrica and A1. (laughs) Well, they are still together. And uh, that's his baby, so there you go. What does Marcus do, though? What does he actually do? He was a producer, I believe. Because he has a picture with Nipsey Hussle, so is he like a rap producer? He's somebody in... He came from... Um, yeah. I mean, he, oh, okay. he was... Because that's what he had. Like, he... I don't know if he... Yeah, yeah. He... That's how we got introduced to him, I think. You know, he was rolling with A1 or, or folks knew him, but I think he was like a Southern producer, like from down South. And he created a song for Brooke. And so, the, you know, they're in the studio and then he started kind of holding that over her head when they weren't doing so well. So, yeah, that that's what he's supposed to do, but I haven't seen him connected to a studio since early last season, like... He hasn't done any type of work. Because <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure what he actually did. Because I, I didn't get a sense of that from from anything. So <clears throat> good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. And so oh, the only other thing, you know, that I got into was T.I. and Tiny's uh, Friends and Family Hustle. And that whole thing, you know, Tip trying to win Tamika over again. So they're, you know, embarking on their anniversary. Now, if you're near divorce, do you still celebrate your anniversary? Like, she seemed to be kind of put off, like, oh, yeah, it is coming. But, I mean, what you expect me to do? Like, (laughs) he's trying to go to Trinidad, I think. Like, hey, I'm going to Trinidad. Do you want to go? Or you should go. And she's just like, for what? And I mm-hmm. totally get, I mean, ultimately she winds up giving in, but of course, uh, but it was again, just, just really weird. Uh, he said, it was a quote, you know, um, I like to make her happy and give her what she wants. And I thought about it. And I'm like, well, what she really wants is for you to not be trite, but maybe it's what you want her to want because you know he came in the house with Fendi bags and I think I've seen on the blogs that he bought her this fancy car for her birthday like you know he does a lot of stuff for her 
But the one thing that she seems to be asking him for, she, he, he's not doing it. So that's that. Um, Latoya and Tommy, so we got to see like a good portion of their relationship right now. So they have a blended family or building a blended family. He has a daughter already and spends a lot of time going back and forth between, I think, Dallas and and Atlanta. And so she just talked about like feeling alone and all of that. And so my thing is, you know, you know who you're with and, and who you're getting involved with. And not to say that she shouldn't have feelings, especially now that she's pregnant. And I think she went through a health scare, a pregnancy scare, and so, or a scare regarding her pregnancy. And so she was, you know, shaken by that. And they were able to have an adult conversation, which I was glad to see. But at the same time, I was just like, girl, like, you knew he had a daughter. And so, yeah, it's never going to only be about you and your kid because he has a responsibility that clearly he takes very seriously. If he physically puts his body on a plane, like normally, you know, folks ship the kids back and forth in and out. But if he is actually doing the traveling and adjusting his schedule and stuff, like that's important to him and it is going to have to be important to you or you're going to continue to have your feelings hurt. Other than that, um, T.I.'s oldest son, Messiah, is uh, trying to decide between Morehouse and it took me a while to know what the second school was. They just kept saying Morehouse, Morehouse. Um, but it was basically the age old HBCU versus PWI argument. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. T.I. was rooted for Morehouse and the other option on the table was Georgia State. And so the family, you know, going back and forth and with some jabs thrown and so of course as graduates of PWIs we have we have been in our share of conversations like this but ultimately young Messiah decided to be his own man and he chose to go to Georgia State um, and he had some strong views about you know just really differentiating himself now I feel like no matter where he goes to school particularly in Georgia, you're not going to be an unknown. People are going to know your T.I. son. But I think he also felt like, dang, at Morehouse, I'm, I'm not going to be able to escape that at all. And, and he doesn't see, I don't know, you know, how closely you follow the kids, but he seems to be like the least, the, the one that least wants to be in the spotlight. Like, he's just like, just pass me by. He's like the brainiac. and <laughs> I'm going to sit over here. So um, he made that decision by the end of the episode. And T.I., you know, of course, you know, he was like, oh, but he thought it was good that he made his own decision as well. So and then they started the little baby going to Georgia State. And then they uh, gave the little baby a nail polish line. Um, Eris, they started a nail polish line for her. So entrepreneurship mm-hmm. continues to roll through the family. Okay. And then, you know, that was really it. You know, the other folks made appearances, but they weren't really that important. <laughs> in my opinion right as you know hey probably most people don't think so although I think I think they <laughs> really just put the other people on the show so we will not have to think about Tiny and T.I.'s marriage <laughs> the whole time mm-hmm. because nobody wants to see them the thing that people really liked about the family hustle was like their family unit and them being you know goofy together and the children 
But now the kids are getting older and their marriage is what it is. Um, <laughs> and so right. they need some, some other good, quote unquote, good relationships on the show to make it look make it look good. But I don't know. Like if I was getting, well, Tiny filed for divorce in 2016. In 2017, they decided not to get divorced for whatever reason. They were trying to work on their marriage um and based on the first two episodes i don't know if either one of them knows what work on their marriage means because she seems to mm-hmm. want to spend more time with him and he doesn't want to do that um and yet he keeps throwing the fact that they live in separate houses in her face but on the other hand you know i guess he's he maybe he's trying to do what he always did that we didn't know about was like buy buy his way out of a problem was buying her mm-hmm. car expensive gifts and what she's saying is like no I want your time and I want your commitment to our marriage and in the first episode she was like don't disrespect me publicly um and so who knows how that's going to turn out over the course of this season yeah, I think I'm tired of them already, too. Right. <laughs> Two episodes in, we tired. We tired. I know. I know. We tired. That's why Mama they got Monica on the show. <laughs> yeah. They got Monica. She, you know, they sprinkled her on there. I mean, she's trying to figure out, you know, if she's going to do auntie music or if she's going to do, you know. Monica music. Ratchet. Yeah, like ratchet music. And, you know, I, I love Monica and she's done enough, you know, if, if she wants to do new stuff, I'm here for it because she's talented, but she really could just, you know, be like new edition and just keep your show on the road and, and rock out all your hits and make your money that way. Like, I think the thing about that is, I mean, I think the thing about that is like, she's not as old as them like she's been in the business a long time only because like her and brandy have been in the business a long time only because they started so young yeah mm-hmm. but she's only like 38 she's basically our age right so she's not old so she doesn't want to do i get it like even new edition is still making new music ain't nobody listening to it but they i was still on. making it yeah <laughs> they had a whole video like dvd had like a whole situation um yeah do it for the culture or something right (laughs) (laughs) but yes absolutely hit the road and (laughs) do all the old stuff i mean up until so so gone is a bop but even that is old at this point and it's not it's still everything is old yeah it sounds current but it came out let me see it came out in it probably wasn't even this decade. Yeah, it wasn't even this decade. Jesus. Yes. Okay. This was 20 years, years ago. ago. Oh, I can't even. Oh, I need to drink my drinks on that. Yeah. I need a sip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I wasn't Speaking prepared. of things that came out uh, in the early knots. Um, Bad Boys 2 came out in 2003. And um, Martin Lawrence today. Um, took to his Instagram to confirm that they are indeed going to work on Bad Boys 3. I'm like, yay! Yay, but 15 years ago, 
Y'all did like how are they gonna explain these gaps? Because even between Bad Boys one and two was over ten and two, years. it was, it was a lot. It yeah. was almost ten years. It was like eight years between those two movies. Mm-hmm. And now by yeah. the time Bad Boys three, Bad Boys for Life <laughs> is gonna come out. They should be retiring. They they right. can't be it's doing all the matching like it's supposed to be coming out in twenty twenty. And so that'll be seventeen years after. Woo! The bad boys His son too. should be on the force. Right. <laughs> right. I'm like, is Teresa Randall gonna be in it? Is Gabrielle Union gonna be in it? Like, I don't know. I have mm-hmm. lots of questions. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see them back together, but it's just, I, I'm always trepidatious about sequels that take more than a decade <laughs> between the sequel. Oh, like, that's about to be Avatar. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't even know if we have a date to Avatar. I'll just keep uh, watching the original. Right. And <laughs> remakes. Um, they're remaking yeah. Clueless. They don't need to do that. Even Ooh. though I like the writer, I like the writer who is writing the remake. It's um the writer is Tracy mm-hmm. Oliver. She wrote um Girls Trip. She um Worked with Kenya Barris on the last Barbershop film. She, way, 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 way back in the day, she was um, working with Issa on Awkward Black Girl. So she's super talented. She's um, working on the first Wives Wives Club uh, TV series adaption with Black First Wives. Um, So, you know, I love her. I don't love remaking everything from the 90s. Like, just watch the movie. It still holds up. Yeah. I don't want to see a Clueless remake. (laughs) But But also, the 90s was the shit. I was watching the CNN um, series, the 90s. Yes. I don't even know when it came out, but it was on Netflix. And I was just like, I was watching it too. Hey, me back. Everything, mm-hmm. TV, like everybody had a show, you know, music. Now, you know, it, it did go maybe, down in the 90s. So. <laughs> maybe maybe everything, but <laughs> everything but fashion. Everything but fashion was popping in the 90s. Yeah, it was it was some violence going down in the 90s. So we might just oh, get yeah. those. But like culturally, uh, you know, hip hop and, you know, TV, music, like just movies. That was the time. That was the time. And mm-hmm. so I understand why everybody wants to go back to that. Like they remade Sabrina, the teenage witch. Now she looks like some dark goth character, I guess like an actual witch. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Charmed, I saw is coming back or it's come back. I mean, like everything back. is like, <laughs> let's do it again, except it's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> At least with Charmed, I think it's, it's not a it's not a a remake like they're just trying to continue the story so oh, okay. it's like somebody's daughter and somehow she got a black daughter so there's a black there's a biracial woman in the mix too so mm. it's not like let's reboot charmed and we have whoever their names were i can't remember like now we have three new people playing them it's just a continuation of the story um which I guess is better than like just scrapping it and starting over and pretending like, oh, you guys can't see these reruns that come on every day. Um, <laughs> cause they're literally on every day. Um, 
but you know, who knows? No, but I was watching that that series about the nineties and they were talking about like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all that kind of stuff, which was really cool. Yeah. Like a throwback and my so called life, which was my show. Um had good stuff, good stuff. There there's always been a lot of shows, but now these days there there are so many more shows and we are here to discuss one of them. Uh, Like we said at the top of the show, we are here to discuss season three, episode six of This Is Us. And um, that's the name of the episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I really tried to sound it out. Let me not be culturally insensitive. Um, The name of the episode is Come, Come Us. No. Uh, okay. No. I'm gonna I wish I would have watched it. It was like it was he said it really quickly. Yeah. It was like it didn't seem like it was all those like the way we would probably pronounce it was not. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was kind of more smushed together. Yeah. Well we're not gonna try because we might we might mess it up. Yeah. Uh, we'll go on uh YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, let me try to go on YouTube. They usually Oh, what does it say it translates to? Let's see. Um I I am in Cam. I don't know. This thing is ridiculous. Oh. Oh boy. That's not hold on. I don't think that's what um Okay, well, I think it's thank you, because I put it in YouTube, and it says how to say thank you in Korean, so I think you were right about that, Um, that it is kamsa, oh boy, whatever it is, Mm -mm. that's the name of the episode, (laughs) that's the name of the episode, how to say thank you, yeah, I think it's thank you, let's just say thank you, episode six. Thank you in Korean. How about that? <laughs> yes. yes. Episode six. Thank you. Please, if we have any Korean listeners, do not hate us. We are trying. Send us a, a good pronunciation and we will I will figure it out like uh like Randall. Um <clears throat> so episode six. So this is how we break down this is us, guys. If you're new to drunk watching and our this is us recap. We kind of go by people because it's really hard to um, go scene by scene just because of the nature of the show. So today we are starting off with our fave, Jack and Rebecca, but it's basically Jack. So Jack comes home and (laughs) he has like a baseball cap on and I, and I was like, what is, going on with his baseball cap because it was like not really on his head and it was cocked over some kind of weird way comes to find out he's trying to cover up a black eye <laughs> that he got and right. Rebecca must have had the same re- like what is on your head because it's not even on really but he's trying to cover up a black eye that he got at a boxing gym and Rebecca tells him like she doesn't want him boxing because boxing can lead to brain damage. She's not wrong, but he's also not a prize fighter. So there's that. Um, and so he promises not to box anymore. 
fast forward to uh, Randall and a young Randall and a young Kevin um, getting into some sort of whatever and Kevin like pushing him down and, you know, being like, oh, I could beat you up, but not really. I don't think he was like actively trying to beat him up, but he knew that he could. And this was back in the time when Kevin and Randall didn't really get along. Um, when Kevin was a little boy. Um, and so Randall goes to Jack and asks Jack if he can teach him how to box because he has a bully. And and Jack's like, I don't know, let's just talk to the school, talk to your teacher. And he's like, no, dad, that'll make it worse. I'll be called a snitch. And so Jack's like, you're right. And he starts teaching young Randall how to box. They, they learn that Randall's a southpaw, <laughs> so a left-handed, more powerful with his left hand as a boxer. Um, so they're, they're in the living room doing this boxing lesson, and then Rebecca comes home, and she's like, I told you no boxing. It doesn't mean teach our kids to box. Right, 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 right. I'm like, so just because she doesn't want him boxing, there's a long way between no boxing where you actively get hit and no boxing where you're just showing your kids some moves. Like, just because you're playing catch or basketball or whatever with your child doesn't mean they're going to go out and be Kobe Bryant or, you know, some famous baseball player. But Rebecca agreed. Was like, no boxing, She's extra. No boxing. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the idea in this story about boxing kind of weaves through the whole episode. Um, and, you know, eventually, once Rebecca finds out, she calls the school and they find out that there's no boy named Dylan. I think that's supposed to be the alleged bully. There's no Dylan. There's no new kid from New York. There's no nothing in that Randall. Randall was lying. Um, and so then Jack tries to figure out why Randall's lying. And it's because Kevin is tough and Kevin gets that from his dad. Um, and even though, Rand I mean, like, young Randall was so, was so well adjusted. Like, I can't imagine, and I guess it's a testament to his parents, too. Like, he's so well-adjusted, like, knowing that he's adopted, clearly. Um, but all, And knowing that, like, yeah, I know that you love me as your son, but I also understand, like, I'm not your biological kid, and so you and your biological son share certain things, which um, in young Randall's mind, that's fighting and being tough. Um, it, it just seems like he seems very... Um, Maybe the word is not confident because he does have certain identity issues around, you know, blackness and being the only black person in the family. But he also knows that he's loved, too. So it's it's kind of like a, a weird, complex situation he has going on. Absolutely. I And I thought initially that he was going to say he needed to learn how to box to defend himself against Kevin. I mean, I knew in that scene that Kevin didn't hurt him, but I didn't know if, like, you know, maybe it had gotten progressive worse and they didn't necessarily show us that. I was like, uh-oh, I hope 
this is not, you know, a brotherly fade that's necessary, but <laughs> it's clearly that's <laughs> the quote, right, Jay? <laughs> to bring it back to love and that Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, that conversation that he has, like you mentioned, was just, you know, he was so insightful even as a little boy. And then the dynamic between Jack and Rebecca, even though, you know, and you could tell she has some resentment or, you know, she's uneasy about the fact that she doesn't know the things that Jack is truly dealing with. And she, you know, wants to help. She wants to be there, but she knows like there's this area that she can't touch. And so she kind of jabbed him, you know, for lack of a better (laughs) way of putting it with the whole, you know, if you want to go out and fight and box and whatnot, you know, it's one thing to deal with things that you don't want to deal with or don't want to share, but you know, you can't do that with our son. You can't keep me from things that concern our son. And so he ultimately told her like, Hey, you know, I'm not just doing this to do it. This is how I quiet things in my mind that, you know, I'd rather not think about. And, you know, for a soldier and particularly a Vietnam vet, like, probably for anything that we could imagine, that was even worse. And so, you know, hey, it's like, this is what we do to kind of get over and get past. Um, Of course, we've seen him drink and whatnot. So boxing, I'm like, you know, yeah, as long as it's regulated, she got him some headgear, go out there and make it happen, Kevin. Uh, but I, I like that they were ultimately able to have the conversation. And even though she probably can't fully understand that she was willing to accept what he gave her, like, okay, this is what my husband needs, but I need him to be safe. Let me meet him in the middle. And so she gives him the headgear and then asks him to teach her how to box. And so, you know, Anytime we see Jack and Rebecca together, we're like, oh, I was glad to see that. Yeah, I'm glad that just because Jack said he's not off screen, (laughs) but he's been dead since the show started. Um, But they do have that, that little moment and you can tell that when Jack starts to talk about his memory of boxing, well, first he, he says like, you know, I box because I, it helps me deal with the stuff that he can't talk about, which we know. And maybe she knows, I would assume is about being in, in Vietnam. And then, you know, when he tells her about the whole deal with Randall and, how you know he went in to be mad at Randall and he came out like wanting (laughs) wanting to love him more and I feel like that's exactly what happened with her and Jack like she started out being mad at him for teaching Randall how to box even though she didn't like boxing and then buying him boxing headgear (laughs) so he doesn't get brain damage or whatever her fear is um and then that prompts him to open up about his brother, which is not something that he really talked about, which is why, you know, Kevin is on the journey he's on right now to find out more about his dad's time in Vietnam and to find out more about the brother and 
who this mysterious woman is. Um, and so, you know, it was a nice full circle moment. And then the last scene is really another full circle moment because uh, when Randall explains to Jack, like, hey, I want to be like you, so I want to be tough and learn how to fight. And then he tells Randall, like, no, your secret weapon is your brain. Like, you're super smart, and that's that's your weapon. And so, you know, and the last scene of the show which we can come back to later on, the family is watching boxing and that's kind of cut over, you know, Randall making some, <clears throat> using those lessons that his dad taught him, um, both about boxing and about like using his, his smart as his superpower. So one of the things I really love about the show is how they're able to weave in these stories. Um, because sometimes it doesn't seem like it's gonna, like, it's just, like, a cute story, like, oh, Randall learns that his mind is his power, and the family is bonding over a Mike Tyson fight, which, raise your hand if you did that, because I certainly did, those are main events. Yep, uh, yep, my dad used to throw parties. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because it costed, like, 50 bucks or 60 bucks to get the, the thing on the TV. So everybody had to come watch it at one person's house because not everybody was paying. Um, we used to do it at our house or like my uncle's house. Um, so it was like a big deal. And they're, you know, they're watching it and Randall's and Jack's like narrating and talking to Randall. And I, and you know, and probably Kevin too, but Randall's the one really taking in the lesson and we see how it serves him later on. Absolutely. I, I like that as well. I thought I was like, oh, wow, he really does consider Jack and the lessons that he, you know, got directly from him and he applies them and he can, all of them, you know, in their, in their own way. So we can move on to Toby and Kate. Mm -hmm. And Kate is excited about her pregnancy and she's telling everybody. So he, all the scenes are cut to, you know, get the reactions from Rebecca and her brothers and, you know, her homegirl. I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> everybody's excited. Um, except, except for Toby. Toby. <laughs> yeah. Toby Poor is Toby. still down and it's revealed. So while she's sharing the news of her pregnancy, of course, you know, Toby comes up like, oh, How's Toby feeling or what is he thinking? You know, she's relaying that, you know, he's not really doing well. And then, you know, you kind of have like the phone tree <laughs> that happened, the family phone tree. And it's like, you know, oh, you know, he got off his meds and, you know, to help, con you know, with the conception. And then now that's over. Like, oh, can he just get back on? These, these are things that we wanted to know, like last week, right? Like, can he just hop back on? And so, you know, he has started the meds. It's been about two weeks, but it's not kicking back in. You know, he is still laying, you know, laying down most of the day, not getting dressed, staring out the window, just lethargic, not interested in anything. And Kate's really trying, you know, she's like, mm -hmm. hey, do you want to go out with us? Um, us meaning her and the dog for a walk and. He's like, no, nah, y'all got it. You know, it's just, nah. 
everything is a naw. And ultimately the dog, while she's out, you know, she's on the phone still having these conversations about what's going on. And the dog winds up eating something. We later find out it's a rock and, you know, it kind of brings him down too. You know, I thought initially I was like, oh, maybe watching Toby be down, you know, has kind of affected the dog because animals are smart. But, um, you know, come to find out he had actually ingested a rock. And so they were trying to determine, you know, if he would need surgery or if he could pass it naturally. In the middle of all of this, though, what I found to be interesting is that Kate kept calling Rebecca for everything. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if this is even natural. I mean, it's one thing to talk to your mom about things like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going through. But it's another at almost 40 to appear like you can't even make a basic decision. So and she's just very cautious about, you know, doing things the right way, quote unquote, the right way. But it's also interesting because, you know, she blamed Rebecca and had this kind of contentious relationship with her over time. And it's like, well, why do you want her advice if you didn't think she did such a great job? So kids, I, I mean, I don't have them. So maybe this is just what happens. But I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. sit down um, somewhere. But you are a kid. And so that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm you like, are somebody's no, kid. No. Um, yes, I, I mean, I definitely... Yeah, I, I guess it depends on what kind of relationship you have with your mom. And so far, Kate's experience of Rebecca didn't make me feel like uh, she would call Rebecca for everything. Just, you know, knowing how their relationship has played out. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, she she even realizes that um through this whole like dog situation the dog ate a rock and maybe this is why I don't have pets because I'd be like oh well he ate a rock um (laughs) and then Kate is like what should I do do I have dog surgery do I you know just try to let him pass the rock on his own and you know Kate uh no Rebecca gives her advice and basically tells her what to do, but she also tells her like, Hey, a lot of things are going to come up and you're not going to be able to call me for everything or nor, nor should you <laughs> basically like, I love giving you advice, but stop calling me. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. So. Yeah. And I, it was a very nice way to say that too. Cause I was mm-hmm, like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. she's about to tell her, stop asking me. And then case going to overreact. And then right. they're not going to be speaking. Like, I had already played that out in my head, but she <laughs> she did a good job relaying that. Mm-hmm. No, she did. And they, you know, they seem to be, after uh, Rebecca injected her with those meds, they seem to be in a good place. Like, once she, you know, was came around to being on board with the IVF decision and stopped obsessing about it for her, um... They seem to be in a better place, which is good. Toby, on the other hand, oh boy, Toby is not doing well. Although by the end of the episode, he has gotten dressed, 
he has found the strength to put his clothes on and take a shower and brush his beard. Look at Toby, he's going an extra mile. Um, yes. And then when Kate sees him, she's excited. She's like, oh my God, you got dressed. And he's like, yeah, but I really didn't want to. <laughs> like, I thought if I did it, <laughs> I would feel better, but I don't feel better. And so I'm going back to bed. And, you know, she decides to ask him to go for a walk with her and the dog and he's like no nah, I'm good and then she she more forcefully <laughs> asks slash demands um requests maybe that she that he goes for the walk and he decides to go and then you know it ain't perfect but she reassures him because Toby seems to think that Kate's gonna leave him like his previous wife left him when he was going through a similar situation um Okay, assured him that she's not leaving um, and that she's in it for sickness and in health till death do them part. So I think when people, oh God, we were just kind of talking about this, but not really, but we were talking about we've known a lot of people who got married and they're not married anymore. And so we only mm-hmm. have like a handful of friends who are making it like long term. Um, and I just wonder, like, people, you know, you say through sickness and health and good times and bad, but, like, you, you, you're you hoping that those times don't come, right? Like, you're hoping right. that the bad times are not actually that bad. And so, I don't know, Kate is telling And not me, early, like, too. Right. You know, like, I think some people can wrap married. their mind around, yeah, yeah. You can wrap your mind around maybe down the line or eventually, but. Nobody really considers, you know, in your early years, maybe caring for somebody that is, you know, physically impaired or mentally or emotionally um, impaired. That's definitely not ideal, but I, I definitely understand, you know, he's just like, ooh, this is early. I don't know if I can control this. And so I don't want to think, you know, that this is going to be something that it's not. It's almost like letting himself down um, easy. And so I I like that she reassured him. Um, but I don't know, you know, she is not necessarily in the best place. Like, you know, is she even equipped to deal with it? Not that she wouldn't want to, but I feel like between the two of them, somebody has to be okay at any given time, you know, and she is embarking on a serious journey that's going to, you know, change her physically, mentally, and emotionally as well. So I hope, you know, that they both, they decide to, you know, continue on the road together, that they both are okay, because there's really not a lot of room for anybody to be, or both of them to be down, you know? Right, especially since she's pregnant and she's pregnant, mm-hmm. but like she's newly pregnant, and this is basically their their one shot. <laughs> so right, right. She can't afford to be stressed out and you know consumed with Toby and his mental health challenge at the moment because she has to be you know keeping herself together for the baby. Um, and to, to hopefully have a successful pregnancy and a you know safe delivery and healthy child. So 
I guess we'll see. I mean, this is a real thing, though. A lot of people don't recognize either that they're depressed or that their partner is depressed and how that affects their relationship or if, even if they're up for the task of it affecting their relationship. We, right. um, a, a lot of people might view it like Toby's dad did, like stop being <laughs> such a sad sack is what he told him. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe because their experience with depression is you know limited or they don't understand it or whatever or they don't recognize that they're depressed like on our other favorite show um this past did you see the most recent episode it came on last night so maybe not no mm-mm, i haven't watched it yet okay on a million little things there's there's that happening right now like you have the dude who you know killed himself and nobody seemed to know that he was going through anything or why he killed himself. Um, and so you just never know. You never know. And if that person doesn't open up to you and you, you know, they're either good at covering up the signs like Toby was until he got off the medication um, or <laughs> they just go to hell. Like things just rapidly decline. Like, it's really hard for the other person to deal with it. And so, I mean, hopefully they, we see them going to counseling or something. I think that would be helpful to see because I don't, like you said, I don't know if she's equipped or if anyone is equipped to kind of get him through this moment. Like she said she would, you know, um, mm-hmm. hopefully his meds kick in. <laughs> hopefully they right. But it's meds. like, but if they don't like, what do you right. do? She mentioned like, yeah, I don't know if I should, you know, kind of encourage him or push him to do more or do you just lay back, you know? And and I think ideally you would try to educate yourself, maybe talk to some people, maybe do some reading. I don't think you should just <laughs> fly out there with no type of guidance. But, you know, ideally, not ideally, um, most of the time people will try one or the other, right? Like, okay, I'm being encouraging by, you know, come on, babe, let's get up, let's go for a run, let's do this, um, or you could take the other approach, which is like, well, I'm going to just let them be because, you know, eventually the meds will kick in or by trying to do something else, I might agitate them or what have you, but what is the right answer? And if you don't know, you don't know. And then depending on the type of person you are, especially if you are exerting energy and effort trying whether it is encouraging or laying back because both take you know <laughs> energy and they, they are not responsive to it you know that can start breeding other feelings you know like oh you try to be understanding but at a certain point for some people that runs out so I'm with you yeah I, I really do hope the meds kick in I mean the moment that they had toward the end made me feel like maybe a shift is coming, but maybe not. Like this thing, it doesn't go away like that. You know, this thing, um, depression doesn't just go away like that. So, you know, a lot could be in store, but the part that really needs to focus on is they're about to bring a child into the world, hopefully, you know, it's like, okay, the pregnancy and the fact that she's high risk is important. But after we get past that and providing they get past that, you two are responsible for somebody's life. And you're almost right. not able to be responsible 
for your own life. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Right. Supremely, supremely <sighs> scary. Um, that, that is also Sweet. life. <laughs> that is, that is life. life. Um, yeah. This, yeah. So we're left in a mm, slightly hopeful place. Toby gets out of the house and Kate gives him the speech, but the dog poops out the rock. Um, thank God, because I would have left the dog and the rock. But, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, this marks an upswing. Toby's been down for six episodes so far, so hopefully he goes back up. But you never know. Maybe he has some more down episodes ahead of him. Um, Our next pairing, Kevin and Zoe, pretty light on them this week, sort of, in terms of Kevin's own story, but he's still (laughs) obsessed. I don't like her. I say good. Oh, you like still her. Oh, I didn't hear you no. say good. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's still there's still something about Zoe, especially anyway. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> Kevin is still obsessed about the photo. Uh, he's still trying to figure out who the woman is in Vietnam whose necklace he has. I guess that's what it is now. Like, he has her necklace. Mm-hmm. I thought like Jack gave her his necklace and he got it back, but. She gave Jack her necklace and Jack gave it to Kevin. Um, Zoe finishes up her documentary and she wants to celebrate by spending an evening alone at a hotel to decompress. And so I'm like, okay, girl. On one hand, I understand because I enjoy my alone time. We both do as introverts. Like after a while, you just need need your space um, and you need your time. But it's usually after I've been around a bunch of people, not necessarily one one person that I like. Um, but, you know, this is her tradition. So she goes to the hotel and um, to decompress. Meanwhile, Kevin has nobody to talk to now. <laughs> he does, Kevin doesn't have any other friends outside of his family and now Zoe. So that, that might be an issue going forward. Kevin might need to get some friends. Um, yeah, but because he can't talk to Zoe, he calls his brother and he's like, yo, I need to talk to you about something. Let's meet up. Meanwhile, Randall is in this, in this, uh, campaign fight and, and he's trying to convince all these black people that he cares about them. He's like, I can't meet up with my famous white brother, which I find hilarious. <laughs> And shout out to Kevin for not feeling any type of way about it. I guess he's used to it by now. <laughs> he was like, okay, right. well, I don't have any boundaries. So you can either tell me where you are. I'm just going to show up. <laughs> so they decided hey, they know each other. And, yeah, they know each other. Because Randall didn't try to convince him. He was like, all right. They decided to meet at a random Korean restaurant, I guess. Um, and... He starts telling Randall about, you know, like, hey, I'm trying to find out what's going on with dad and I'm on this journey. And Randall's like, I don't know. Randall tells him the same thing that Mr. Robinson told him, like, maybe you don't want to dig. Like, dad didn't want us to know about it. But so maybe you should just leave it alone. Um, Which I find interesting because if the Pearson big three are nothing else, they're all stubborn. 
And so I don't know mm. why Randall thought that that was going to be <laughs> enough for for Kevin to be like, you right. Um, why? <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> like, you right. Let me leave this mystery alone. <laughs> um, but it's not. He tells he tells Randall about, you know, when they were kids and they were peeling off a little corner of wallpaper and they just kept peeling to see. And then they were surprised to find out that underneath there was some paneling and he wants to peel away at this story about his dad. Um, and eventually Randall tells him like, okay, keep peeling. <laughs> By a keep on peeling. Right, right. right. <laughs> And I, I love, um, you know, their relationship now. They really, you know, have a cool bond. And, you know, they are able to help each other because they're so different. You know, they can help each other in new and unexpected ways, which, you know, we definitely saw when they met at the, uh, you know, at the restaurant. It's like Kevin is, you know, a rock star in the <laughs> Korean community. Because the Manny, uh, you know, was very popular. He mentioned in, um, he's in South Korea specifically. So, again, you know, Randall has this bright idea, which I guess we'll, we'll get to when we go into Beth and Randall's story. But he has this bright idea about how to turn things around for himself. And Jack, you know, recognized that in him early and just talked to him about how powerful his mind was, how powerful his brain was. And, you know, we see that time and time again. Like he, it was like a light bulb, you know, or a light switch flips on and, you know, he's off and running again, even when you think, you know, he's down and out. So, but I like to see them together, um, adult Kevin and uh, and Randall. Shout out to Brotherhood. And the I swirl. do. I do, because I wasn't, um, I've said plenty of times that Kevin is not my or or has not been one of my favorite characters. He's just meh, you know, he's just real whatever. Like <laughs> I can I can leave him or take him. But I feel like this season especially, but you know, even in season one when Kevin was even more unlikable and entitled and whatever you thought he was like oh he he felt like he was entitled to be able to have this serious acting career but when it started to get off the ground like we learned that even though young Kevin and Randall didn't really curl all the way over mostly because of Kevin um when Randall had that anxiety attack like Kevin was the one who was there for him you know he left his Mm -hmm. show to go make sure his brother was okay because he recognized that something was wrong. And similarly, like they both have been there for each other. Um, and now they have this way to be there for each other. Like Kevin, because of his celebrity status in the Asian community, um, Randall recognizes like, Hey, I can use you brother. Like I know I was trying to distance mm-hmm. myself from you a minute ago. <laughs> right. But come on back. Come on back. So with the Asian folks, we might have we might have something. So mm-hmm. yeah. So before that, before Kevin wraps up, like he decides to go to Vietnam. He's he's gotten whatever answers he can get here in the states by talking to Mr. Robinson and looking up stuff, I guess, on the internet. Um, so now he decides to go to Vietnam, and he wants Zoe to go with him. 
And despite your objections, she says yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> over your objections. <laughs> oh, my you don't like her. I mean, I don't dislike her, but there is definitely something about her where I'm not sure yet. Like, I'm not sure. And I feel like this trip could be like a make or break. Because, you know, it's one thing to be on a on a short road trip with somebody. It wasn't even a long trip. It's another thing to go on an international, like he said, 14-hour plane flight, sharing a hotel, all the nitty-gritty stuff that goes with it. Um, so we'll see how it, how it turns out for them. Yeah, well, bon voyage. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see you when you get back. <laughs> oh, not bon voyage, girl. Bye. Bye, Zoe. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, we wrap again with our favorite couple, Beth and Randall. <laughs> and so I am glad that Beth, you know, found her voice let's just say um mm-hmm. in in both instances you know she's just been walking around you know trying to push everything down but so who's your job so the last job pretending. i lost i didn't really pretending. pretending right i didn't really care much about it but it still seems to be let go like it's like even though you may know okay, it's a budget thing or the company's being restructured. Like there may very well be a rational (laughs) uh, reason behind the decision. Like it just does not feel good, particularly if you know you're a rock star and you've been told you're a rock star. doesn't feel good to be let go. Now in her situation, you know, really to be there and build something from the ground up and then now you're place back into this atmosphere where you have to contend right for a new position or for somebody else's attention and you know displaying your value all these things that you really haven't had to do and I can imagine I mean we've been entrepreneurs for a while but you know even like how do you prepare for interviews like that that's seems like that would need to take some time like I think you probably would just have to figure it out right like you've been all been out of the hunt for years you get fired now you're back job searching like I can imagine you would fumble a few of those because you're not in the practice of selling yourself you know anymore and so you know yeah she's been going through these motions she's you know sending resumes out not hearing that and that can just take a huge chunk out of um, your ego and your confidence, you know. And so she, right, has been pretending that things are okay uh, to her family, including, you know, her children. And at this point, it's Girl Scout cookie time, okay? Girl Scout cookie sales time. And the girls come in like, look, mm-hmm. and they're so insensitive. It makes me want to kick kids sometimes. Like they don't like really. They don't care. Like they don't care about your life. They don't care about anything. They don't. And and you know what it is though. It's it's because, um, (laughs) as a parent, 
it's because like if you do a good job maybe not maybe that's the wrong word but if you do an adequate job of like being a provider for your family being emotionally stable like they don't understand when things are not going right for you because you're not always showing that like mm-hmm. a lot of things have gone bad <laughs> bad or you know questionable or have been difficult for me have been painful for me but I don't it's not like I talk to them about to my son about them and you you have parents who do and maybe that works for them too but like I don't and I feel like Beth doesn't um and so her kids don't really have any concept about how she's feeling about losing her job and how she's feeling like frustrated and and, you know, she hasn't even talked to Randall. So she's certainly not talking to Tess and whatever the other little girl's name is. Right, and they just right. still getting integrated in the family. So I don't see her dishing with her, you know, off top about it. So all they see is their own personal needs, which is frustrating, particularly as your kids get older. Like <laughs> now that my son is older, I'm like, look, stop, because the world is bigger than you. I matter. You mm-hmm. gotta like tell them that like, you know, they aren't the only one whose needs are pressing and they, they feel that way. And, you know, maybe partially they feel that way because you've done a good job of taking care of their needs. You know what I mean? So right. they never well, felt like sense. they Yeah, yeah. So they never felt like they don't matter. So they don't understand why this thing that's really important to them now um is not really important to you too because it's always been important to you right I just yeah. felt like the way you know like oh they were <laughs> oh, acting well. like a brat no no we, it was, yeah so she was acting spoiled yeah okay I was like yeah I I get that but they were just it was like overkill it was almost to the point of and maybe it was definitely written like that I'm, I'm assuming you know just to get her to fall off the edge like she was already hanging like she's hanging by a thread and yeah Tess just hit her with the little <laughs> and she hit him back Girl. with the yes shut up I'm, I'm glad Listen. right glad it wasn't worse than that it could have right. gone down it could have gone down um no yeah. but, oh god and this maybe Tess is also at that young fine preteen teenage age where children start to lose their mind and their tongues and things just go awry because I she was over there getting smart and I'm like oh my god is this what is happening like so so mom wouldn't have forgot this and because you suck or whatever she said to her and I was like oh, mm-hmm. oh my god yeah yeah and that's why Beth uh, lashed out it was a lot, and I'm glad that everybody came back around and apologized. And I hope Tess does not do that again, or she might be homeless. But on the other side, things <laughs> like the little conversation with Deja was really great. Um, yeah. When Deja was like, <sighs> "My mom has lost a bunch of jobs, and it's always hard. like it was just really mature." And I guess that goes to her character. She's always taking care of her own mother. And we saw Deja like trying to pay the rent, like trying to pay the electric bill and try to do all these things just to to keep her own situation stable. So, of course, she's going to have a little bit more um, insight 
and forced right. out about what's going on with Beth, even though Beth is like, girl, I'm fine. You don't have to worry. And Deja was like, so he can make you feel exceptional too. Like talk to Randall <laughs> so he can get you back on track. And I was like, look at this girl. I need her in my life to tell me, get my life together. Cause she was, like Beth said, you are really good at this conversation thing. Yeah, she was, she she did really well. And I and I was glad to see something that Randall did. So just like, you know, Jack sowed those seeds and they came up. And Randall's like, you know, even though yeah, Deja's been an utter mess from time to time, <laughs> that, you know, she listened to him and she internalized, you know, the things that he said to her, even though, you know, he's usually the, the very emotional, sappy mm-hmm. uh, one that she appreciated and she was able to take that and, and pay it forward. And so I, I'm excited for Deja's growth. <laughs> I, will see. I, I hope, again, I hope that she, nothing's wrong with her in the future because now we're seeing, you know, that future uh, clip from Kevin and Zoe, we know that's coming up because they're getting ready to go to Vietnam. But the whole thing with Randall and older Tess, that seems farther down the line. I don't know. We're going to get thrown ahead. Yeah. I'm like, are we going to get thrown ahead 30 years or no? I'm not sure. Well, maybe it's not even that far, but but it's it's definitely not going to happen right now. No. They knew what um, they were doing. Yeah. And I don't know. We 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 shall see. But I'm hopeful with Deja. I'm hoping that she stays on the straight. You know, real life says that she won't. Um, not that she won't, but just that it, it always won't be easy. Like is the is the has the adoption gone through? <laughs> Do we have any curveballs? Right. I know I know she agreed to be adopted, but has that whole like her mom might pop up even though she signed away her parental rights? I'm sure that I don't know. Is there an appeal process? There's still a lot of questions in that. Like maybe this this mm-hmm. random father is gonna pop up. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Um. But hopefully they won't have somebody's grandmama. Hopefully they won't have any drama going forward in that capacity, because I feel like we're in for a lot of drama from this campaign. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it, Randall. I get it. You want to do something and you went from zero to Barack Obama real quick. Like you were inspired, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> this whole Saul, Saul Brown person seems like a big challenge. And when Randall goes, so I'm okay. Let me take a step back. I'm slightly confused. So Randall lives in New Jersey. How is he running for city council in Philadelphia? Don't you have to live in the city that you're running for city council on? Well, I guess technically owning that building. I mean, unless you have to prove that you live in that building, but I guess that's what he's using as his, I'm I'm from here or I'm, I'm rooted here because. But like Randall doesn't even live in the same state. Right, which I didn't realize until 
right. they said it out loud. I was like, oh, I thought he just lived like in the birds. I didn't realize it was like in a uh, different state. Uh, I mean, it is yeah. it is technically the birds because the way Philadelphia, you know, the whole tri-state area is set up. Like my son's grandfather lives in New Jersey, but he lives in a part of New Jersey that's like 20 minutes from Philadelphia. So it is, it is like that, like it is the burbs, but it's technically a different state. And so I don't, I don't know the rules, but I know that like, if you run for, I don't know, maybe like Congress or something, you have to live in the area that, that you're running to represent. Otherwise anybody can come in and say like, Hey, I want to run for this seat. You have no connection to the district or the people or the whatever, like you're supposed to live. <laughs> I'm guessing at least in the state, and he don't. He lives right. in New Jersey, so nobody has brought that up so far um, in terms of him being disqualified. Because then that's another thing. Like, will they have to move to Philadelphia? That's 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 traumatic. That's dramatic and traumatic all at the same time. So, so right. Randall decides mm-hmm. to try to like his barbecue whatever campaign event didn't work out, <laughs> so he tries to do with. What lots of politicians do, go to church and meet the people. Um, he goes to church. He sees Saul Brown at the church. Saul Brown gets up to talk. And Saul Brown comes with a good shade in the Lord's house. And he, <laughs> he skillfully, skillfully shades Randall um, in a way that also makes it look like he's shouting him out. He, right. he tells the congregation, like, oh, I want to welcome my brother, my good friend, <laughs> whatever, my friend Randall Pearson from such and such New Jersey to the church. This is his first time. Like, he's dropping all these hints. Like, he's not from right. here. He's never been to this church. You know, he didn't bring his family to church. Um, and then finally, he's running against me. <laughs> and then Randall gets to talk. Um, and of course it does not, at least he throws in the, the amen, a hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's something that got the people like the response, but right. it, the, the whole event does not go according to what Randall thought it was <laughs> like, I don't know what he thought it was about to happen, but it, it did not happen at all. At all. I was like, Ooh, he got hit with the slick shade. And so, yeah, with this not happening the way that he intended, it's like, okay, I have to bounce back. I have to, I have to figure out a new strategy. And so enter Kevin. And of course, we've already discussed them meeting up to talk about, you know, what Kevin wanted to talk about. But ultimately, Randall considers with this new information, like, oh, my brother is famous in the Korean community, and there's this largely untapped market of unregistered voters that are Korean. And so why not, you know, register voters and get their support by, you know, dangling my brother out there? (laughs) So it is, I mean, political strategy, excellent. Okay. Now, otherwise, Mm -hmm. probably not the best thing to do, but Right. Strategy. I mean, oh Kevin, my God. Kevin allows thousand. himself to be dangled, so it's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so they're out there and you have the, you know, the Korean elders are out there and 
you see uh, the the younger uh, folks out there. So there's a young guy that approaches Randall and pretty much calls him out, like, you know, on what he's actually doing. Like, you know, you've never been here and you're out here taking advantage of this population, you know, because of the baby man. I think that's what they call him, the baby man, the Manny. And uh, ultimately that turns into a moment where Randall is able to address the crowd with the help of a translator to basically say, like, give me a chance. Like, no, you're, you're right. I've never been here before, but I am here now. I do care about what's going on. But the one thing that he did not do, and I think you pointed this out last week um, in the Black community, is that he asked them for what they needed. Like, if you will talk to me, if you'll share with me, then, you know, I promise I'll listen. And from that, um, you know, it really pricked the ears of the older um, generation. And so that same young guy came to his campaign office a little later and, and says, you know, my grandmother has never voted. She never, you know, thought that anybody even cared about what she had to say. And she's been talking all day about, you know, the black guy with the nice hands and uh, offers to be his campaign manager with a background in political science and uh, some other election experience. And so just like that, Randall has a campaign manager and one that can continue to help him to, you know, drive in that community where, you know, where there's so many unregistered voters. So they, you know, they weren't necessarily forced all brown if they weren't registered to vote in the first place. So excellent, excellent political strategy. Excellent political strategy, but I am concerned because like, okay, we'll, we'll get to that. So the last scene, Randall's on cloud nine and no, not even a last scene. So, you know, from, from having the campaign manager, he goes to see Saul Brown <laughs> for some reason. Um, maybe, well, to put him on notice, I guess. And that's when we see um, Jack, the flashback to Jack and the family watching the Mike Tyson fight. And, you know, Jack's explaining, like, Mike Mike gets hit. So why does he start smiling? And Jack explains, like, oh, well, sometimes when you get hurt, you smile. You try to smile to show that it, it didn't really phase you, right? Um, and then he's just learning some strategies through this boxing analogy and by watching a fight that we see come up in grown in grown Randall when he goes to talk to Saul Brown, he's like, dude, that was a that was a good move. You got me with that. Um, by you know, by call basically shading me but also welcoming. That was a good strategy. Shout out to that. Um, he was like, but now I have a campaign manager <laughs> and I'm learning and I'm going to win Koreatown. And then Saul Brown smiles because I was looking to see who smiles <laughs> because to see like who's hurt right, in, this, right. in this position. But Saul Brown has like a big smile. So I guess he's mm-hmm. hurt by that recognition. Like, oh shit, I have never talked to these Korean people oh boy, like he's learning. He's a, he's a quick study. And then Randall leaves because he's feeling good. 
and he goes home and he talks to Beth and well, he encounters Beth and Beth's on the couch. She's had a rough day. She's yelled at the girl. She's apologized. And she admits that she's not doing well. Like her job interviewing is, is shady. It still hurts that she got fired after 11 years and or 12 years of her job. And, you know, it's just not working. She's not getting any responses from her resume and she doesn't want to hear that she's exceptional. Um, like Deja said, like, just talk to Randall. He'll tell you that you're great. <laughs> she tells Randall, like, I, I don't want to hear it because I don't feel, I don't feel like it, which is super valid when somebody's trying to tell you how great you are and you, you don't feel great. It just, it does not have the intended effect of the other person. Um, it's just kind of like, wah, wah, wah. So he comes up with the idea to have her work for the campaign. And he's like, we, we lived in a, in a mattress, in an apartment with no furniture and a mattress through grad school. We put on a dope wedding for $5,000 and we can do this together. And She's like, as long as it's not a pity job, <laughs> I'm down. And he's like, no, of course not. It's not a pity job at all. And so she decides to join his campaign. I don't remember what Beth's job is, but apparently she's good at it. So she's joining his job, his campaign or something, maybe communications or I can't remember. Um, and then we, we leave off on a good note, but he can't win this campaign, right? Like that would be too perfect. <laughs> it would be, but I don't want him to lose. That would suck. I don't want I don't want him to lose. He might, he like might he, spiral he, him into another stuff, you know. Right. Like I don't want him to lose, but like winning would be too perfect. And then I kind of re-listened to that scene with him and Saul Brown. I was like, is he running for a different seat, or is he trying to like Koreatown means what? Like, does that fall under Saul Brown's seat? Like, I you know. I think that they're definitely in for a fight and I'm concerned about where that will, (laughs) where that will lead them and what kind of effects it will have on them. Like what if Saul could be like, Nope, let me call this judge and like cancel Deja's adoption or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know where. Oh, damn. I don't know if he can, but. I'm going to say, I don't know. And, and is it because he's, well, is Deja from there? Um, yeah, Deja's, Deja's from the city. I don't know if she's from Philly oh. because I don't right. know if she's from That's Philly, what I was trying but to she's from, oh. okay. so she's like, from the hood somewhere around there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it might get yeah. nasty, but I, you know, uh, I'm more concerned with Beth being, you know, working on his campaign, that may give her something to do, but well, aren't we still in a place where nobody has any income coming in? Or am I Exactly. Exactly. Nope, you're not tripping because ain't nobody got a job right now. <laughs> but okay. I was just like, neither one of them have a job, but I'm assuming they're also not hurting for money. Um, I'm assuming Beth got some kind of severance package. Um, because people with good jobs <laughs> get severance packages. Hmm. Um, I don't, I can't relate, but um, yeah, I'm assuming she has some kind of severance, and I'm assuming that they had some kind of savings 
Because you just don't mm-hmm. buy random buildings like out of thin air. Because Randall worked right. at a pharmaceutical company and he was like a high, he was an executive. So I'm assuming he had like maybe some stock options. But yeah, neither one of them have a job. So I am concerned about that. On the flip side, right. he has a rich brother who's an actor. He can float him some cash. He can float him some cash. Mm-hmm. And I guess owning the building, you know, would that give them some income too? I mean, at least so you wouldn't be out on the street. I'm, I'm assuming they right. make enough to be able they to cover themselves. The like you said. <laughs> right, right. Like you said, they don't seem to be hurting, so you know keep the dream alive but that was my initial thought I was like okay what does this really do for her um but if it's about purpose you know or being active uh actively involved in something or playing on a team and not really about money then I guess I you know I see how they they did it and I guess when you run a campaign like campaign donations go to paying your staff like part of it is maintaining your office and your staff and all that so um when, once he gets into the donation phase of it all <clears throat> i'm guessing he'll have money to pay best um mm-hmm. but they also don't look like they're they're hurting at the moment so who knows well good luck <laughs> good luck beth and randall good luck hopefully it works out I am concerned, but I'm also cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. But he really does want to help. But just like you said, th- those aren't usually the, <laughs> the stories that we see. It is usually like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, heartbreak. But, you know, I think it would be nice to let the good guy win for once. It would be. We'll see. But I just don't know if that's what is reality because if it were our current president would not be the person we currently have as president so Mm -hmm. there's that um all right guys it's another awesome episode of this is us uh we will be back next week talking about more this is us and probably more million little things because i mean i could do a whole podcast on that show too but we just don't have the time so if you would Mm -hmm. like to hear us spiel about a million little things slide into our email inbox with some sponsorship at hello drunkwatching at gmail.com or if you have any comments or questions or suggestions or general feedback also do the same hello drunkwatching at gmail.com or hit us up on on twitter and instagram at drunkwatching uh subscribe on your favorite podcast platform we are on all of them Send us a dope review. Tell your friends about us whenever a new episode drops. We appreciate your your listening and your patronage and your energy and your tweets when we're live tweeting. All of that, we hear for y'all. One day we're going to figure out this whole live reaction thing. Um, <laughs> and that's it for me. That's it for me. I'm out. Uh, Andrea, any final, any final thoughts? No, just I can't wait till next week. Um, more love and hip hop, more T.I. and Tiny, more million little things, more. This is us. Do you more. really want more love and hip hop? Well, <laughs> the end of love and I, that's what I really mean. Getting wrapping up love and hip hop. I do want it too. Mm-hmm. 
I wanted to end. I'm interested in seeing um, what's up with New York now that Joe Budden is back and, and he's with us uh, in Santana. I'm still, yeah, I, I don't know how they connected. So having that, I'm sure they'll, they'll give us some insight. Cause the last time we saw Sin, her and Erica Mena were throwing shit and acting crazy. And now she's somebody's mom. So I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Hip hop, I mean, uh, Hollywood, I'm over it. Over Hollywood. So. You yeah, shall see. It's been, it's been a long season. We're good. We're good. We I'm are out. good. We are good. All right. All right. That's me. I'm out. Next week for more drunk watching. Uh, until then, I'm Brittany Danielle. And I'm Andrea Renee. Peace. Peace.